0: We are, I'm Dominique, if you don't know me, if you're new here or you somehow haven't come across me yet, one of the pastors here at CCW, and it's my pleasure to have a look at Psalm 62 uh, for the last week, it's the last week of our four-week series, and so uh, we're going to start by just looking at the whole psalm, so we can put it into some context today. Okay, let's read together. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us. Those of lower estate are but a breath. Those of high estate are a delusion. In the balances, they go up. They are together, lighter than a breath. Put no trust in extortion. Set no vain hopes on robbery. If riches increase, set not your heart on them. Once God has spoken, twice have I heard this. That power belongs to God, and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to all people according to their work. So, that very last piece, that last verse, there is what we'll be mostly looking at today. But just to recap a little on the last few weeks, because some of you might be here today for the first time since the new year, there's a call here in Psalm 62 for us to take the time out to allow our souls to be in God's presence, to wait on him, to rest in him. The words God alone are repeated here enough that we know this is an important point in the psalm. God alone is our salvation. And as we go into looking at uh, this last part of the psalm, I think it's important for us to recognise that this psalm is one that is sung by those Already following God. So we're not looking at here a way to be saved when we start talking about doing good things. It's not about how we receive salvation. It's just reminding us who are saved that God alone is our Saviour. God alone is our rock, our foundation. He is our fortress and refuge. And as we sit in His presence, and that's what we were hearing about from Ads and Danny earlier in January. We learn and we experience this about God. So then David poured his heart out about all the horrible things that were happening to him, all the awful ways people were treating him. And then he turns back to this same theme, God alone, and he reminds his soul, he speaks to his soul. For God alone, oh, my soul, wait, wait. In silence, for my hope is from him. Uh, Arthur Weiser, who's a German theologian, says it this way, and I liked this My soul is still if focused on God alone. (coughs) Last week, Denny took us through those verses about how other people are like vapour, worth nothing, not in their value as people. Uh, either to us or to God, but in how we view ourselves and life in general. The opinion of others and comparison with others should be as vapour. It should just disappear into meaninglessness. It shouldn't weigh in. And so then we come to this last verse of Psalm 62. Once God has spoken, Twice have I heard this. And that's just a literary device that's used uh, in different uh, writings in the Bible. Um, and it just is a way of drawing attention to this truth that's about to be said. So it's a truth that God's shared with David and now with us, that power belongs to God and that to you, O Lord, belongs steadfast love, for you will render to all people according to to, your, to their work. And the word translated render there is sometimes translated reward or repay, sometimes just give. God will give or reward all people according to their work, what they do. So before we head into that any deeper, I'm going to give us a framework uh, that I think will help us to look at this verse well. It's impossible to sum God up, really, in just a few words or sentences, but we're going to give it a try. (laughs) This is called the four Gs. God is great, God is glorious, God is good, and God is gracious. And full disclosure, these are from a book I'm currently reading, which is called You Can Change by Tim Chester. Uh, Feel free afterwards to ask me more about the book, although I'm only about halfway through it at the moment. Uh, It's helpful and challenging so far. But I came across this and it just gave to me a picture of who God is, which is part of what this verse is conveying. So the four Gs, the first one, God is great and so we do not have to be in control. So we see in Psalm uh, verse 12 that all power belongs to God. He's great. All power. In Isaiah, we're told that God measured the, the heavens with his hand. Now, hold your hand up or look at your hand. You don't have to put it up in the air. Not worship leading at the moment. Have a look at your hand. So that's how big our universe is to God. Now, I think our world, our earth is huge, let alone the Milky Way galaxy and our sun and planets and all of that, but apparently there's lots and lots and lots of galaxies that we so far know about, and when God looks at all of that, it's just about that big. God is great. He's not only capable of creating all that, but he sustains it all. He keeps the planets spinning the way they do. He sustains life for us here on earth. He's powerful and really greater than all we can comprehend. And because he is great, we don't have to be in control. And that's actually hard for many of us because we like to be in control. But when we sit in the presence of God, and say to our souls, wait, be silent, put my hope in him. It's hard to do that if we're trying to be in control. And why would we want to be? When the God who is greater than all that we can imagine has the power that he has. When we're concerned that we're not enough, the best thing we can do is take the focus off ourselves and sit in the presence of a great God. God is great, so we do not have to be in control. We can trust him. Number two, God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. God is so far outside and above what we know and certainly so far above and outside the people around us. I looked at the word glorious up in the dictionary. I thought, what are people going to be thinking when I say the word glorious? So we tend to define it as being worthy of fame or admiration or having a striking beauty or splendour. And God is all that and more. And it's important for us to actually have and focus on this big view of God. The Bible often speaks of us fearing God and to have this big view of God helps us to give God the respect, the worship, our trust. It helps us submit to him and that's what fearing God is all about. Uh, When we follow God, we don't need to have terror when we think of fearing him, but we can rest in him. I will see a little bit more of this as we go on with our next couple of Gs. But in Psalm 62, we read that people are like vapour, meaningless. And in terms of how we view ourselves and our life, if we can rest in God and have this big view of him, he's great, he's glorious, then it's much easier to fear him rather than others. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. We can trust him. Number three, God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. Now, God is good. We hear that a lot in church, don't we? And sometimes there's, I know there's people sitting there going, oh, my life's horrible at the moment. I don't feel like God is good in my life. But following Jesus doesn't mean that our life circumstances will feel good. That's never been the promise. God is good because through everything, through our own mistakes, through other people's mistakes that affect us, and the whole broken world that we live in, through it all, when we fix our eyes on God alone, we find peace and joy like nothing else. And because we experience the presence of a great and glorious God who is in control and is worthy of our trust and worship, whatever else we might look to for fulfilment or for happiness is inferior. It's inferior to what God offers, which is himself. So we might look to our own achievements careers, we might look to money, that's in Psalm 62, uh, to our own intelligence or our own abilities or to others, but none of it compares to God. He isn't just good, he's better. He's better than everything else. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. We can trust him. And number four, God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. Now, I hope that you know the truth truth of this already. Together, every single one of us stands at the foot of the cross. We're equally broken, equally ashamed, and yet equally accepted. Many of you will know the parable that Jesus told of the prodigal son who squanders his inheritance basically tells his family to get lost, he doesn't care about them, goes away, but life's a mess and he comes back desperate and repentant. And his father shows grace. He accepts him. But his brother, his brother had stayed there all the way through, doing the right thing, doing the right thing out of duty, out of uh, what he knew he needed to do. But he's very upset that grace is being offered to his brother. This brother has a wrong mindset. He thinks that we need to prove ourselves by what we do. But instead, God's grace tips this on its head. God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. We can trust him. How amazing is that? That we don't have to prove ourselves. You could, gee, I might get in trouble saying this. You could not do another good thing in your life and you don't have to prove yourself to God. So, knowing that, why would we do good things? If it doesn't earn our salvation or it doesn't earn us brownie points with God, what would be our motivation? to do good things that's part of the psalm that we're looking at today that God will repay or reward or give to people as due for their works for what they've done Jesus said you are no longer my servants no longer do I call you servants but I have called you friends so just think why does a servant do something for his master, out of duty or because he's being paid. Why do you do something good for your friend? Because you love them, because you care about them. We're no longer servants. We are friends of God. Even in this Psalm 62, we see hints that this focus on God alone is within a friendship. It's not that of a master and servant. Look at verse 8 with me. Pour out your heart to him, for God is a refuge for us. The vulnerability and transparency, when we actually pour our hearts out to God, the great, glorious, good and gracious God that he is, helps nurture that relationship, that friendship with him. Charles Spurgeon told this story, and I think it makes this point beautifully. There was a humble gardener who presents a bunch of carrots to his king because he so esteems and loves his sovereign. The king rewards his love with a plot of land so that he can continue to bless his kingdom. A courtier sees this and thinks, an acre of land for a bunch of carrots, what a deal. So the next day, the courtier presents the king with a magnificent horse. The wise king, discerning his heart, simply accepts the gift with a thank you. When the court is upset, the king explains, the gardener gave me the carrots, but you have given yourself the horse. You gave not for love of me, but love of yourself in the hope of a reward. And then Spurgeon asks, are you feeding the hungry or are you feeding yourself? Are you clothing the naked or are you seeking your own reward? Are you serving God or serving yourself? The Bible often talks of reward, but that reward is God Himself. The joy of of knowing and pleasing the God we love and in whom we delight, the reward of His presence and His friendship. So, God is great. So, we don't have to be in control. God is glorious, so we don't have to fear others. God is good, so we don't have to look elsewhere. God is gracious, so we don't have to prove ourselves. We can trust Him. So, with those four G's in mind, let us read this verse again. God has spoken. Power belongs to him. Unfailing love is his. Surely you repay all people according to what they've done. The God who is great, glorious, good and gracious can be trusted by every one of us. He can be trusted with any thought or framework that we might have had or might still have about reward or about judgment. We can bring it to him. We can trust him. And we find that as we trust him more, as we find our rest in him, as we do what we've been encouraged to do these last few weeks, to put aside time to sit in his presence, then we learn the truth of who God is and we learn to trust him more. And as we trust him more, we continue to find our rest and refuge in him. And we find a friend who encourages us, to live in right ways. And as we do this, our reward is more of God and more satisfaction and joy than we can imagine. Let's pray together. Father, Saviour, Lord, Friend, We're in awe of who you are. And to be able to stand here and say, I'm friends with God, an amazing God who is more than I can comprehend. I'm just thankful, God. And I pray that for each one of us. God, would you stir our hearts this week to put aside time to sit in your presence. Would you help us to know you as a friend? Would you help us to know the joy, the satisfaction, the reward that it is to be friends with you, to have your presence in our everyday life? Thank you, God. Amen.